Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trashy Divorces, Trashy Royals edition, your midweek deep dive. Oh, today it's going to be fun. I'm Alicia. I'm Stacy. Today, we are midweek deep diving mm-hmm. into the house of Grimaldi, the Grimaldi curse. I feel like it's not even a real name. It's totally a real name. Let's get into it. <laughs> okay. House of Grimaldi. Mm-hmm. So January 8th, 1297. Current events. Current events. Francois Grimaldi, his nickname is The Spiteful. Ah, good. <laughs> will disguise himself as a Franciscan monk and knock down the gate of his uncle Renier's castle. Once allowed entry, old Francois the Spiteful will pull his sword out of his friar robes and call for his soldiers who'd been waiting for him on the cliffs of the fortress. Together, they successfully take Monaco. Which is basically like the castle and the grounds of the castle, right? I mean, it's a tiny... Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's 1297. The casino is not there yet. That we know of. So Francois, the spiteful and short-lived, the victory only goes about four years. Because four years later, Francois is forced to flee Monaco. His cousin, Charles Grimaldi, who is the son of the previous prince, Renier, will take back control. That's Charles the Passive-Aggressive? Charles the Passive-Aggressive. So over the next several decades, the Grimaldi family and their rule of Monaco were hotly contested and fought over. Why is Monaco a big deal? Why do you want it? Its geography and location makes it an ideal fortress and lookout in times of war. It's beautiful. has a lot of natural resources. So its beauty and fortunes make it an ideal sanctuary and respite. For all manners of unpleasantness. It's beautiful, natural beauty. Inherent glamour will make it the most desirable destination for all who can actually afford to visit. For a variety of changing reasons in the centuries to follow, Monaco will remain an alluring hideaway for the powerful, the wealthy, the famous. For 700 years, the Grimaldi family has ruled a very, very tiny, it's very small, but remarkable principality that has been at the center of the scandal, intrigue, and glamour of this haven on the French Riviera. Reminds me of the, like the pirate kingdoms in the Caribbean. That's it. You want to know how small Monaco is? I do. It has an area of 0.78 square miles. <laughs> it is not even one square mile big large. Right, but it's like the most densely populated place on earth, right? Great point. Yes. Its population is 38,300. In less than a square mile. Making it one of the most densely populated countries in the world. So if you think about it, Monaco, to put it in a frame of reference visually, is about 60% of the size of Central Park in New York City. Jeez. That's how small Monaco is. Wow. And home to 38,000 people. So for 60% of Central Park, 38,000 people, nearly one third of those citizens of Monaco, millionaires, sunny place, shady people. But it's it's the highest net worth country in the world, right? I've done some reading. I can't say that for certain, but yes, I think think that is entirely true. I would say 30% Mm -hmm. of, yeah, the given the per capita, blah, blah, density size. 0.78 square miles. It's ridiculous. Okay. No good royal family would be worth its salt or 
diamonds or jewels or something if there wasn't a curse. Oh, good. So let's hear about the Grimaldi curse. During and after his battle for Monaco, Francois the Spiteful killed many people. Well, he was spiteful. He liked to burn people at the stake. So the Grimaldi curse stems from his legacy of violence. So there are two main theories, myths, ethos, surrounding the supposed Grimaldi curse. The first one is that Francois orders his beloved to be burned at the stake during his short reign of terror for some inconsequential offense. And while burning at the stake, this is a very, uh... Don't load the dishwasher wrong, okay? Practical magic move. She will declare burning at the stake. Mm. Never will a Grimaldi find true happiness in marriage. The alternate version of this origin story is that the Grimaldi curse starts with Francois kidnapping and raping a beautiful maiden. The maiden, again, these Hollywood plot lines, nothing new. The maiden then becomes a witch in order to get revenge. As one does. And once she is done with her witch training and is able to cast spells, the beautiful witch then declares never will a Grimaldi find true happiness in marriage. What if they're just miserable people genetically? I'm just saying, I don't know if you even need a curse here. Maybe. Maybe terrible people. Maybe it is a curse. The Grimaldi family, though, has been affected by the Grimaldi curse in every generation since the 13th century. Hmm. Uh-huh. Obviously, many people do not believe these stories or in the curse at all. Hmm. But there is no denying that the Grimaldi family has experienced a great deal of unhappiness scandal, and tragedy in their marriage. We have talked about some of those current Grimaldis, Princess Stephanie, Princess Caroline. Prince Albert is coming on May in Monaco beginning this week on Patreon. Let's begin a little bit more currently. Mm -hmm. We're going to back up the bus. We've been in current ones, but we're going to go back about 100 years. Talk about Prince Albert. In a can. Prince Albert won. In a can. Yes, he opens the can. He'll rule Monaco from 1889 to 1922. He gets married two times. His second marriage is to an American heiress from Louisiana. He'll also have a long-term affair with a courtesan, dancer, and actress named La Belle Otero, who will tell some embarrassing secrets in her memoirs. It's a risky take, guy. Albert I is the great-grandfather of Prince Renier, And is the great-great-grandfather of the current monarch, Prince Albert II, as well as his sisters, Caroline and Stephanie. In 1869, Prince Albert I marries Lady Victoria Douglas Hamilton. Lady Mary Victoria is the daughter of the 11th Duke of Hamilton and Princess Marie of Baden. The couple meets at a gala thrown by Napoleon III and his wife, Empress Eugenie. The couple has one child, Louis, born less than a year later. But Princess Mary Victoria Douglas Hamilton is Scottish. (laughs) She doesn't really like Monaco or the Mediterranean climate. So when Prince Albert... Wait, was she missing the drear? Yes. Okay. She's missing the highlands. She's probably Mm. missing the liquor, but Mm. who can say? She's a princess. Just have it imported. They don't have boats. (laughs) Prince Albert leaves to go fight in the Franco-Prussian War, and Mary will leave Monaco permanently. Mm. She's done. 
This first marriage of Prince Albert is annulled by the church in January of 1880, although not civilly dissolved until July of 1880. So, Albert won over and done. But that leaves Lady Mary Victoria, newly single, Princess of Monaco. She's ready to mingle. She'll get remarried in June of 1880 that same year to a Hungarian nobleman, Prince Tassilio Festetix von Tolna. <clears throat> I'm sure that's, it rolls off the tongue like that, yeah? Dude, it's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot of name. The couple has four kids together mm-hmm. at her new Hungarian palace. Princess Mary will often entertain her brother, the 12th Duke of Hamilton, and his very good friend, Bertie, the Prince of Wales. Hmm. Tom Tom. Tom Tom. Now, prior to the match between Albert and Mary Victoria, Empress Eugenie had tried to arrange a marriage between Albert and Princess Mary Adelaide of Cambridge, but Queen Victoria would not allow this marriage of a close relative because of the scandalous Grimaldi gambling family. Queen Vix said, nope, not going to happen. Interesting. Now, it's maybe lucky this did not happen because Princess Mary Adelaide of Cambridge, nicknamed Fat Mary, is a first cousin of Queen Victoria. Princess Mary Adelaide goes on to marry the Duke of Teck, Their oldest child is Mary of Tech, who marries King George V and have five kids together. The oldest, who is King Edward VIII, later Duke of Windsor, and King George VI, the father of Queen Elizabeth II. These family trees do not branch. Monaco. No, they're just the same same branch. That's that's (laughs) called a genetic bottleneck right there. You don't recycle those. Stop. So what does this mean? If Prince Albert I of Monaco had married Princess Adelaide of Cambridge, the royal landscape in England would look far different. And sadly for us, not as many trashy divorces and affairs that we all have come to know, love, and appreciate. In October 1889, Prince Albert I of Monaco is going to try his hand at marriage again for the second time. This time, he will marry American heiress and dowager Duchess of Richelieu, Alice Hine. Now, Alice is born in 1858 to a wealthy American family of French descent in New Orleans, Louisiana. When the Civil War breaks out, her family skedaddles, flees to France. Alice's family are favorites at the court of Napoleon III and Empress Eugenie. Napoleon III and Empress Eugenie are Alice's godparents. It's amazing. Privileged, charmed upbringing, the age of 17, this is February of 1875, Alice will marry her first husband, Armand Chapelle de Jumelhac, the seventh Duke of Richelieu. Sorry, loving the pronunciations. These names are... Jumelhac? Sure. J-U-M-I-L-H-A-C. Jumelhac? Not a clue. It's... I'm just loving it. I need a French tutor is mm-hmm, what I need. Mm-hmm. And a Hungarian tutor, apparently. <laughs> Me. Couple will have two children. They have a son in 1875, a daughter in 1879. Everything's going great, but the marriage cut short when the seventh Duke of Richelieu dies in 1880, leaving Alice a very wealthy young widow, two kids at the age of 22. (laughs) 
Oh, circumstance. Here comes Alice and Prince Albert. They marry October 1889, and she will become the first American princess of Monaco. Okay. Not the last. Not the last. She brings with her a huge dowry and a collection of jewels. Albert likes her well enough, but he'll spend a great deal of time away pursuing his interests in oceanography. Uh Uh-huh. And mistresses, I'm just gonna guess. Alice will spend her time making Monaco known for class and culture. She's involved in developing the ballet and the opera there today, which are still thriving. Get some culture up in that place. Well, she got some culture and she's also going to start a a new love affair with the singer and composer Isidore Delara. So when Albert finds out about Alice's infidelity, he is terrible will slap her in front of a full house at the Monte Carlo Opera one night. Wow. Yeah. Alice, mad, leaves Monaco the next day. And they really like this I banish you for Monaco Mm -hmm. thing. Albert forbids her from ever returning. You are forbidden to come back to Monaco. This is literally like, oh, I guess I'll just move into the neighborhood next door. It's a different country. It's going to take my suitcase like four blocks. You could walk out of there, lady. <laughs> like, pack your backpack. Now, the thing with Albert and Alice, they are legally separated in 1902, but they never divorce. So Alice will move to London, where she is warmly embraced by high society and royal circles. Alice will become great friends with Queen Alexandra, the wife of King Edward VII, the Prince of Wales we talked about just a few weeks ago. Now, while Albert has been exploring his interest in oceanography, and it took a damn lot of gall to slap your wife in a theater full of people, you have a lot of nerve because you've been having a long-term affair with Caroline Otero, la Bella Otero. Caroline is a Beautiful Spanish lady, actress, dancer, high-class sex worker. Prince Albert one, not only an admirer of La Bella Tero, many other men are as well. Her royal and aristocratic lovers include, it's a pretty impressive list here, Kaiser Wilhelm II, King Edward VII, the King of Serbia, Russian Grand Duke Peter, Tsar Nicholas II, as well as Kings, plural, with an S of Spain. Her popularity among the powerful men of Europe during the day meant that, as often happens, she is unliked by many of the women. La Bellatero is quite a heartbreaker. The rumor is that six men reportedly commit suicide after she breaks off her relationship with them. Yikes. There's also at least one verified duel. That is fought over her. Hmm. She is great in her world at trading sex for power and wealth. She will amass a pretty big fortune, live a lavish lifestyle, looking at the end of the day somewhere around $20 million Hmm. for her liaisons. Later in life, she would write her memoirs to the dismay of many. Hmm. In her memoir... She will speak fondly of Prince Albert I, but will also say he was not a virile man and had erectile difficulty. (laughs) Yeah, that's, well... 
Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know... Trying like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. <laughs> Podcasts on yeah, podcast homecast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. Let's go ahead and skip ahead a generation. Mm-hmm. Prince Rainier the Third. He's born May thirty first, nineteen twenty three. Rainier born at the palace in Monaco. He's the second child of Prince Pierre and Princess Charlotte. He has an older sister. Princess Antoinette, she was born in 1920. And Prince Rainier III, his path to the throne is not a typical one. His mother, Charlotte, is an illegitimate daughter of Prince Louis II of Monaco and his divorced cabaret singer-lover, Marie-Juliette Louvet. Prince Louis II meets Louvet while she is hostessing in a Montmartre nightclub. Normally, an illegitimate child especially one born to a divorced mother of a lowly birth, would not be recognized or placed in the line of succession. But Prince Louis too doesn't have any other kids. So fearing that if something doesn't change, his cousin Wilhelm, Duke of Uroch, would inherit the throne of Monaco, and Prince Louis and his father, the reigning Prince Albert I, decide to act. Gotta make a move. In 1911, Prince Albert I will pass a law that recognizes his out-of-wedlock daughter. It was not the quick fix that Louis and Albert had hoped for because it was found to be invalid under 1882 statutes. Mm -hmm. But when you're the monarch, you just make another law, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what Prince Albert I did in 1918. He'll pass another law that allows for an adopted child to succeed. So Louis II formally and legally adopts his daughter, Charlotte, making her... Princess Charlotte Louise Juliet Grimaldi, Duchess of Valentinois. Wow. In 1922, Prince Albert I dies and the throne goes to Prince Louis II. Princess Charlotte is now married with a daughter and had just become next in line to the Monegasque throne. Prince Renier was born the next year. In 1944, Princess Charlotte will cede her rights to the succession to her son. So when his grandfather, Prince Louis II, died in 1949, Prince Rainier III became the reigning monarch of Monaco. Does that make sense? It's not a clear path, but that's how he gets there. Yeah, okay. Now, Prince Rainier was educated at elite boarding schools in England, where his nickname was Fat Monaco. Oh my God. I know. After this, Rainier goes to the world's most expensive boarding school, uh, one of the oldest boarding schools in Switzerland, La Rossi. For college, Renier will attend the French University of Montpelier and then go to the Institut des... the Political Institute of Paris. Just 
not slaughter that one. To learn how to monarch. Exactly. To groom his, groom mm-hmm. him for his future of monarching. Yeah. Okay. So World War II, Renier. Wave like this. Touch the pearls. <laughs> World War II, Renier's going to enlist in the French army. He's cited for bravery. He's offered the rank of colonel. In his personal life, Renier had been in a very long-term live-in relationship with a French film actress, Giselle Pascal. They will live together at St. Jean Cap Ferrat in France. They intend to marry. Renier's sister, Princess Antoinette, wanting the throne for her son, will begin to spread rumors that Giselle Pascal, the actress, is lowborn and barren. Antoinette, meanie. Mm-hmm. So they're going to bring Giselle in and doctors examine her. Wow. Powerful rumors. The doctors deem Giselle to be infertile. Prince Renier understands the importance of having an heir to secure the line of succession, but he's still unwilling to end his relationship with Giselle. But the relationship becomes strained because there's constant rumors and increasing pressure for Renier to marry and produce an heir. There's an event at the Cannes Film Festival that Albert and Giselle are attending one year. And Giselle will dance in an intimate fashion with Gary Cooper. And Renier said seeing the two of them together was like a knife going through my heart. Giselle Pascal will later marry a fellow French actor and has a daughter. I was going to say, has a bunch of kids. Obviously, the doctors were wrong or there was an arrangement made between the examining doctors and Princess Antoinette to malign Giselle too late to make a difference for Renier. Okay. So when Re- Renier's grandfather, Louis II, died, here's the problem Renier is facing. Treasury, basically empty. Renier is charged with building back Monaco's prestige, its image, its finances, and it has for a long time been a gambling destination for the wealthy in Europe. However, things were a little different after World War II, and the growing middle classes found cheaper and more casual gambling spots. So Monaco's appeal had waned, and therefore its revenue was affected and damaged by its turn of events. So it was a little shabbier than it had been. And a little so shabbier. It wasn't drawing the upper crust to its glittering pleasure halls anymore. Prince Renier has a multi-step plan. Okay, build back better. <laughs> build back better. First, he decides he needs to take some drastic measures, some drastic measures to restore Monaco's image and wealth. So first, he is going to promote Monaco as a tax haven Mm. for the rich and famous. Mm -hmm. 100% amazing plan. Really, really effective step one. This will boost tourism and attract a tremendous amount of real estate development. Mm -hmm. Second, he's going to call up his good friend, Aristotle Onassis, shipping tycoon. Hey, Ari, got an idea for you. And Ari likes the idea. He's going to, Aristotle is, invest heavily in Monaco, as well as the partner company that runs the casino. Onassis will also take control of the Society de Bain de Mer de Monaco. It's the company that technically runs the Monte Carlo Casino for the Grimaldi family. I need you to understand when we talk about casinos and the house always wins, the house is the Grimaldi family. But Onassis is in. 
He love he loves everything that's happening here. So he's keeping his eyes on the prize and looking for ways to boost tourism and interest in Monaco. Aries like, hey, Renier, I got the best idea you ever thought of. You need to marry an American film star. Hmm. Yeah. Aristotle Onassis, access to a lot of Hollywood starlets, entertains them on his yacht. He enlisted Greta Garbo and her manager to help him find a good American wife for Renier. I guess it's extra brilliant because after the war, I mean, the United States hadn't been destroyed, but much of Europe had been. And so like, right, like you go where the money is, like the money was all in America at the time. Right. Greta Garbo, her manager, Aristotle Onassis, yep. Renier. It's They're like all the, the date squad, tender. the wife squad. Yeah, it's tender for yeah. Renier. Search is on. Okay, Cupid. <laughs> if any potential, if you were floated as a potential, you were offered rent-free accommodation in Monte Carlo, just come check it out. Just fill out this questionnaire. Number one, top of the list. You ready? Marilyn Monroe. Hmm. She will consider the idea for a while. Hmm. And tell Aristotle Onassis, give me two days alone with him, and of course he'll want to marry me. Marilyn thinks about this for about a week. She would refer to her possible future husband as Prince Reindeer. Oh, God. According to Liz Smith. Okay. Ultimately, Monroe does decide against the plan. Huh. Renier's advisors feel like Marilyn Monroe was not quite dignified enough to fit the bill. But everyone still agrees that a glamorous Hollywood star would do wonders for Monica. Raise that profile right up. Prince Renier will allegedly begin his affair with Elizabeth Taylor now, Hmm. which lasts for many years. The affair is said to have begun in 1950, when Elizabeth Taylor is on her honeymoon in Monte Carlo with her first husband, Conrad Hilton. Hmm. Hilton, as we know, is abusive to Taylor from Mm -hmm. the beginning of the marriage. And while he was gambling away their honeymoon time, she will accept two dinner invitations from other men. The first dinner invitation is from Aristotle Onassis on his yacht. The second dinner invitation is from Prince Renier. Aristotle Onassis attempts to convince Elizabeth Taylor to divorce Conrad Hilton on their honeymoon and made sure she was aware that he was looking for a famous wife who could produce an heir. She's like 18 at this point, right? Yeah. 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 Glad she did not go there. Well, supposedly when her... In the closet, secretly gay, very good friend, her BFF, Rodney McDowell, will ask about the prince's endowments. Elizabeth Taylor responds that it was six inches. Apparently, marriage was never going to happen. But according to some sources, their love affair would be on and off for the next three decades. Hmm. Elizabeth Taylor and Renier. So we all know how the story ends, right? Grace Kelly. Correct. But I want to rock anybody's worlds here. So I'm going to... Throw out some trashy information, because, whoa. Grace Kelly was asked to take part in a photo shoot with the prince while at the Cannes Film Festival. The two meet. Shortly after fall in love, get married, have three kids. Fairy tale, everything. No, he's looking for an American Mm -hmm. actress. Yeah. But before this marriage could take place, Grace Kelly had to pass a fertility test. Number one. Number two, her family required to pay a $2 million dowry. That, okay. Now, her parents are wealthy enough to afford the dowry. I mean, her family is very wealthy. 
But Grace's father is a little shocked by this demand. Yeah. Like, what? You, we're, we're going to help you build back better. Don't. Okay. Renier. Now, dad considers not paying it and Grace is beside herself. She's like, I'll pay half of it. I'll, I'll put in a million. I need you to put in the other million. But there's so much that happens before Grace Kelly and Prince Renier meet. So Grace Kelly, we think of as dignified and elegant and this pure American movie star. And if Marilyn Monroe was too overtly sexual, like Grace Kelly has this refined ice queeny princess kind of thing about her. That is not true. She has her own trashy past that she just covers up under this ice princess exterior. So at the time, Grace Kelly's trashy side, best kept secret in Hollywood. Now, most of Hollywood knows about her sexual conquest, but few Americans outside of the Hollywood mill would believe the number of men she slept with. Some of her lovers include Clark Gable, David Niven, Gary Cooper, William Holden, Ray Milland, Oleg Cassini, Pierre Gallant, Bing Crosby, and John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Hmm. Gary Cooper will say about Grace Kelly, she looked like a cold dish with a man until you got her pants down, then she'd explode. Hmm. When John Fitzgerald Kennedy is recovering from back surgery in 1954. JFK, right? JFK, yes. Yes, yes. yes. All right. Jacqueline will enlist Grace Kelly to cheer up her husband. Oh, God. She'll ask her to visit him in the hospital dressed like a nurse. At the time, Jackie is unaware of their previous relationship. Are we sure? According to a gossip columnist, what she did to cheer Kennedy up makes Monroe's happy birthday rendition seem veritably PG. James Spada, the journalist and author who spent three years researching Grace Kelly for his biography, Grace, The Secret Lives of a Princess, said there were two revelations that absolutely astonished him about Princess Grace during this research. The first, he said, was how the most sexually active woman in Hollywood was able to come across as the most chaste. The second was that Prince Renier actually believed she was a virgin. Spada will quote Mrs. Henry Hathaway, the widow of Grace's first movie director, as complaining. I have nothing good to say about Grace. She had an affair with my best friend's husband, Ray Milland, and all the time wearing those white gloves. He asked her with whom else in Hollywood she may have had affairs, and she replied, you name it, everybody. Spada includes this anecdote of David Niven thinking fast on his feet regarding his affair with Grace Kelly. Grace had a very brief and very discreet affair with David Niven, one which never reached the point of press speculation. Grace and Niven became close and lifelong friends, and he and his wife frequently visited the palace in Monaco once Grace became a princess. On one occasion, Prince Renier asked Niven, who among his reputedly large number of Hollywood conquests had been the most satisfying. These conversations are so bonzo. Unhesitatingly, David Niven replied, Grace. (laughs) Seeing the prince's shocked expression... Niven added the unlikely clarifier, or or, Gracie, Gracie Fields. Oh, God. Yeah. So the fact that Grace Kelly is seen as wholesome by the general public, despite her otherwise very busy private life, Mm -hmm. was something other Hollywood actresses frequently commented upon. Silent film star Clara Bow said, Grace Kelly will get away with having many lovers. Know why? Damn public will never believe it. 
Zsa Zsa Gabor, TD alum, near and dear to our hearts, will say of Grace Kelly, she had more boyfriends in a month than I had in a lifetime. She went to bed with anyone she fancied at the time. Hmm. Despite all of this, before her wedding to Prince Renier, Grace Kelly will pretend to be a virgin, claiming that she broke her hymen playing field hockey in school. Sure. Horse riding accident is apparently another... Horse riding accident. Common cause. Who knows if Renier believes it or not. A couple does marry in 1955 at the wedding of the century. And that is today where we are going to conclude Trashy Royals to pick it back up on Patreon with that wedding and Albert the First on May in Monaco this week. Trashy. Oh, I'm so glad we're doing the Grimaldis. Uh, I love this story. Yeah. Wow. Just everybody outsmarting everybody else over there. Spiteful, passive aggressive. Succession. Monaco, they make it fun. Those Grimaldis. Well, apparently he did build it back better. I mean, it's quite the seat of opulence these days, from what I understand. It is at that. Still a tax haven and a weird divorce place. Yeah, and just a note for you, listener, if your spouse offers to move the family to Monaco, don't do it because the divorce laws there are very, very unkind to the less moneyed Mm -hmm. spouse. That is. You're being tricked. (laughs) <laughs> don't let your spouse move your shoes as we covered in gosh a season one episode i think we learned so much about legal wranglings of other countries on this podcast journey that we are on we do even putative countries like monaco 60 <laughs> percent of central park it's tiny it's tiny it's tea tiny and trashy it's gonna be a fun month yeah Sunny place shady people thanks yep. everybody for tuning in we'll catch you back on sunday with a regular Trashy Divorces episode. Y'all have an amazing week. Till we talk again. Keep your hearts trashy. Keep your hands clean. That too. Stay out of the casino. The house always wins. The house is the Grimaldis. <laughs> Cheers, just, y'all. Just fight the Grimaldis if you find them. <laughs> have a great week, friends. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.